Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Ridfin. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars, Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. It's uh, lovely to have you here. Uh, my name, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Michelle Redfern, and I'm one of the, the co-hosts of A Career That Soars. And um, I will introduce my uh, my. Uh, colleagues, my co-hosts in just one moment. Well, actually, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. So today we've got, I did make a rough guess. I think we've got about 200 years of work experience, work and career experience collectively uh, on the call. Um, now, I, I, as I said, I, I made some, I did some mental maths around that. So, you know, it give or take. And I think if you think about 200 years of, of work, leadership and career experience, I across many geographies, across many, well, lots of lived experience. That's that's pretty awesome. So I'm very, very excited about the conversation today to hear some of that wisdom, that collective wisdom shared with all of you who are joining us live. And of course, those who are listening on our Lead to Soar podcast, which uh, this, this is being recorded for. Before I go any further, I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from wherever we meet today to, to learn, to share and connect. For me, uh, I'm on the lands of the Boon Wurrung and Wurundjeri people of of the Kulin Nation here in Australia, and I pay my respects to elders past and present. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the traditional custodians of Australia, my home, 
and the oldest living culture in the world. Been around for as far as we know for 65,000 years. I look forward to learning uh, from all of you. Now, what we're going to discuss today is first of all, we're going to get to know your career mentors, uh, your co-hosts and career mentors of a career that soars because some of you know some of us really well. Some of you don't know us at all and, and everything in between. So I'm gonna, we're going to hear from these amazing women very, very shortly. Then we're going to have a discussion about the great insert phrase here, reset, resignation, retirement. You know, there's been a whole bunch of analysis over the last or predictions analysis and watching trends um, about what's happening in the world of work. And I want to have a bit of a, I want to put a different, a different spin on it um, because I think there's been, there's a really great opportunity for women coming up. We're going to ask you, uh, for those of you who've joined us live, uh, what your questions are. And then we're going to wrap with an actionable insight from each one of our hosts. So what's that piece of career advice that you can take from this collective wisdom into your career in 2022? So let's get started. And I'll go in alphabetical order, first name, alphabetical order, as I ask our wonderful co-hosts to introduce themselves in the context of their career that is soaring. So Amal Yusuf, the subject of our most recent podcast episode, Lead to Soar. Welcome, my friend. And when you bump into someone, whether it's online or, or live, what do you say? My name's Amal and I'm a over to you. Um, sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying I'm happy to be here. Welcome everybody. Um, it's good to have you know all the co-hosts in the same room and then also share the room with all the members. I would say that my 20-year career started in the nonprofit space, and then I became a business owner in different industries: transportation, real estate investments, and real, um, retail wholesale. And finally, made the transition to corporate to the corporate world. I've been with my current employer for 12 years, and I've worked in different departments that are integral to the business. I'm always looking for opportunities to advocate for women and support them in understanding the mis- Three, 33% as Susan and team um, mentioned, mentioned all the time. I'm all about working smarter and learning how to thrive through a clear understanding of how my role is moving the company forward, right? And then sharing that those experiences and those nuggets with other women. Besides being a co-host of this awesome platform by businesswomen for businesswomen, I also serve as a board member for the Global Village Project, which is the only middle school in the United States serving refugee girls who live and educate educated around Clarkston in the state of Georgia. So happy to be here. And that is a recap of my 20 years of service. Very nice. And I know, I realize that, you know, when you're trying to compress 200 years into five minutes, that's that's a really interesting challenge that I've, I've set you. So well done, Amal. And I love the power of the way you introduce yourself, not by a role title, uh, but by that this is the impact I have and this is the, this is who I am and what I bring. Thank you. So Mel Butcher, over, over to you, my, my partner in podcasting crime and uh, a co-host. Tell us about your soaring career. Thanks, Michelle. No pressure following them all. I'm trained as an engineer and I work in consulting now. And, you know, beyond the sort of deliverables that we give to our clients, I've found that I have a a strong passion and interest in a few different things like employee engagement, especially our young professionals and uh, supporting women. And so these are two things that I'm doing 
at work and also in my leisure time. So that's the that's a short version. Another very modest introduction. And uh, so Mel is also uh, has provided me with a lot of instructional advice. Um, you know, we, we talk about how mentoring is such a rich two-way relationship. And and I know Mel has referred to me very kindly to others as her mentor, but I see her as my mentor as well, because she's she's really shared her wisdom um, and put me and, and guided me to make some, uh, I think, some very, very strategic decisions over the last couple of years. So, you know, kudos, kudos to you. So mentoring is, you know, reverse mentoring is very, very powerful, folks. So Mel and I are, are I think, a pretty good example of that. Susan, over to you to talk about your soaring career. Uh, Hello, everyone. I am in my winter home in Puerto Rico, which is the land of the Tainos. And literally, our development is sadly on land that was uh, inhabited by Tainos. And when they built here, they found artifacts. But it was such a long time ago, they did nothing respectful with them. So that's kind of sad. Anyway, so I really think of my career as having two phases. The first quarter of my career was in a corporation, was an insurance company. So it was quite conservative. And I went from being a secretary to a manager in what was in that era in the conservative insurance industry, a relatively short period of time. And uh, following that, and the other three quarters of my career was from solopreneur to entrepreneur running a global consulting practice where I had the great good fortune of meeting Michelle and working with women all around the world and mostly white male executives. So I have a lot of wisdom and insights to share from both parts of those experiences. Thank you, Susan. And and again, you know, the universe helps us to collide with the right people at the right time for the right conversations sometimes. And and uh, go ahead, Susan. Yeah, I have to say, I also met Teresa through that. Yeah. 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 We had an excellent experience at her former employer. And, and again, and Susan has provided me with an awesome amount of inspiration and advice and is someone that I have, is a role model to me and, and whom with whom I model myself on. And I quite often think, what would Susan do when I'm, I'm faced with a, either a dilemma or as I'm often faced with 97 ideas and the ability to do one. So <laughs> what would Susan do? <laughs> and last but most certainly not least, um, Teresa, over to you. So I would like to welcome everyone uh, to this session as well. And Susan, I was going to mention that one of the high points in my career was actually taking the training that you offered to us. I have been in two different industries, the automotive industry and the semiconductor industry. As a non-technical person dealing with a lot of engineers, and I think when I think about my career over time, I've made what I feel are significant achievements in the sense that I co-founded a department, corporate social responsibility at one of our, at the semiconductor company, as well as started a 501c3 foundation for our company as well. As mentioned, um, when Susan came and did the 33 and a third training for us, it helped me understand a little bit more about how to engage to further my career. And so it was so very helpful uh, for me. So 
with that, I'll turn it back over to you. You women are very, very modest. I have the the great good fortune to have legitimately stalked each one of these women. So I know a lot about them. I've interviewed uh, interviewed them and, and seen their bios and what have you. So yeah, we have, uh, please do stalk them in the best possible way because there's just such uh, extraordinary careers uh, here in front of you. One of the many, many reasons that a career ex- uh, that SOARS exists is so that women like us with a shared purpose to enable women to have a career that SOARS can come together and be in service of you. I know, as 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 many of you do, that we are still so far away from closing the global leadership gender gap. And yes, we've made some some good progress over the years. And you know, I, I say to people, geez, I've been in the workforce 45 years and this stuff should have been fixed by now, but Ooh. it's not. So one of the things that, that we can do, yes, there is a system level that we need to fix systems and we need to fix workplaces. We don't need to fix women. But what we can do and what I love to do, which is why I just could not jump into this venture with Susan quick enough, is how do we enable women to navigate a system that is still so fundamentally stacked against women and particularly women who are underrepresented or marginalised, so women of colour, culturally and linguistically diverse women, women from the LGBTIQ community are disabled women. So this this community is about really your safe space to make sure that you can have that that frankly an enormous advisory board to to talk about stuff with, to noodle as and this is I love these terms I've learned from from Mel to noodle over stuff and to to really to help navigate some of those very very personal and individual decisions that you you'll be faced with in your career and opportunities as well as those workplace and those larger issues that that we might need to contemplate. And on that note, I want to talk about one of the biggest talking points in workplaces at the moment, um, and it has been for, for quite some time. So the great resignation, and we've heard it that called the great resignation, the great reset, the great rethink, the great attrition, the great you know retention. Yeah, there's these these great. So in other words, we've got a mega trend going on in workplaces across the world. And there's a lot of agonising and, and gnashing of teeth and, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And I, I did post on uh, the socials uh, some some weeks ago about the fact that my opinion, of which I'm never short of an opinion, is that crappy workplaces have always been crappy workplaces and that the global pandemic and other things that are happening have, have exacerbated those the culture, you know, crappy cultures. So I, I, I'm a little bit less less eager to jump onto the bandwagon or, or buy into the zeitgeist about the great resignation. So that's number one, but there's definitely something happening, and I want to and I want to get your wisdom about that or hear your views about that. But I also want to put a different mindset on it. I think that there's a really great opportunity for women in an employee market in a time when it's it's much much more important, particularly well, to, for mature companies to ensure that they have the right women in the right place at the right time, the right number of women in the right place at the right time. I think we've got a real opportunity here. My first question is to my co-hosts and members who are joining us live, feel free to jump into the chat if you've got if you want to augment our discussion with any of your own questions. But so co-hosts, the great resignation. So what is going on and what are you seeing? And I guess for us as women in 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 our careers, what are we paying attention to versus going, yeah, that's just the zeitgeist? Well, the things that have struck me are that the trend, the trend in terms of people quitting 
is very uneven by industry in particular and by age groups. So healthcare and food service and food and hospitality have been severely impacted with people resigning. Mid-career employees, 30 to 45, have been resigning. And when I think about that, I think about for healthcare, it's got it has to be COVID stress related. For food and hospitality, those are often low-wage jobs. The industry as industries as a whole were decimated by COVID. So it made it kind of attractive to leave and find somewhere else because who knew how it was going to recover. And the 30 to 45, I really wonder, and I haven't seen many statistics about it, but I wonder how many of those in that particular age group who were resigning are women who couldn't find a way to navigate childcare and parental care. So those are some things that when I hear this term, float around in my brain. So I, I certainly have a range of, of data points to support the, the the attrition levels of women. The exits or downsizing um, of career, we know that during COVID, we know that women have been disproportionately affected and that gender stereotypes, i.e. women's work versus men's work in the home and at, in your paid work, have been again conflated. And we've seen, uh, in fact, Mel and I were having a conversation beforehand around just you know, examples of, of where in a heterosexual partnership, the the male's career has been prioritised and she has been doing everything. And and I know leanin.org last year talked about the double, double shift. Um, you know, we're already doing it. Now we've got, you know, Zooms and homeschooling and this, that and the other. So I agree with you, Susan. I think there's been a disproportionate impact on women in that demographic, that age demographic of 30 to 45 due to the, frankly, very, very rigid gender stereotypes that we still um, see. You know, 77% of the world's unpaid work is still done by women. Add a global pandemic on top of that. And gee whiz, some, some of these things start to become very real. Teresa, you've got some insights as well. Yeah, and they're just a slight different. In the industry that I just left, I retired earlier this summer, there's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions leading to reduction in workforce and and that kind of thing, right? For some of those companies, however, I think, you know, when you talk about help, I've got a shit boss, sometimes that acquisition or merger results in, oh my God, I got a shit CEO and company. And so I'm going to take this opportunity, especially coming out of the pandemic when a lot of people were working from home and they were thinking of other things, you know, their thought process, I would think, um, expanded just a bit. I have seen and have experienced a lot of women who have decided, you know what, I'm not going to stay here in this situation. I'm going to move forward. And the ones that I have spoken with have gotten incredible opportunities. They've taken advantage of a tight job market where they are able to go in higher than the company that they've left. So it's been an opportunity, I think, for certain women, if you're if you're at that position, I think for a lot of them going through the pandemic, going through the shutdown and having that different mindset and thought process has made them ready to actually jump into something that's different. It is interesting because... Like you, Teresa, I've got, there's one particular woman in my network that comes to mind immediately. I was only talking about her yesterday. 
two and something years into a PhD, president of a women, she's in sport, women's coaching association, so on, so forth. And I saw her announce just recently, that's it, I'm out. Nothing of, none of this is bringing me joy. My partner and I, who, you know, they've got a blended family, got six kids between them. We've spent a lot of time together and I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the way things were because that normal wasn't working for me. So everything got out. And now she started a new role and she's just one story that I know of that they've just said, I've just reevaluated where I'm at. But also to your point, goodness, look at this role that's here and I'm capable and I can do that. And it's up and more money. And so there, there's the, the silver lining. Amal, what have you seen in, in your travels? So I think what what's interesting to me when I think about the great resignation is this, I want to use a Japanese word for crisis, right? Or kiki as it's pronounced. And the word actually has two characters, right? The first character means dangerous and the second character means opportunity, right? And when we think about the COVID pandemic and crisis, we know that it came with a scary and dangerous push for change in how we do business, how we interact with our employees and our customers. So, but it's also created an opportunity for all of us to reevaluate what's important, right? And maybe create change for the better. So my humble opinion (laughs) is that these opportunities have created what we now are calling this great resignation. And it's challenged the businesses to, to respond in real time to be flexible, and to innovate and reimagine how business is conducted, not only today during a pandemic, but how it will be conducted as we go into a new normal, right? When I think about women specifically, what's been interesting to me is that women are leaving because of better opportunities. They're leaving because of higher pay, but it's also, but they're also leaving because of lack of flexibility, especially for the ones that uh, Susan mentioned who have children or who have elder, uh, elder older family members that they're, they're taking care of. Um, and it, it's true, right? Some women have an opportunity to reassess. What's been, what I've really been impressed by is the number of women who have quit to open their own business, right? I think the the internet has, you know, made this whole notion of being an entrepreneur and being a business owner easily accessible to the masses, right? You don't need a business plan. You don't need a bank loan. You don't need a location or a lease agreement. You don't need to hire employees. All you need is a laptop and a following to be successful. And many women are taking that opportunity and running with it. When I was finishing my MBA uh, in in the year post that I did some work back as an alumnus uh, with my university. And one of those things was helping a group of students research what was going on around uh, the rise of the woman entrepreneur and um, and, and specifically around the kind of finance that they were accessing because so many women are bootstrapping or, you know, getting their working capital from, you know, seed capital from family, friends, the credit cards and what have you. And we were trying to explore why women wouldn't wouldn't turn up to banks. Now, that's a whole other subject. But what concerns me is that with that is, and what what the conversation that rose for me was, we've got this significant group of, of women who, it, not just now, but over the last 10 years, have exited corporate life. We've got a lot of wisdom. We've got a lot of IP. We've got a lot of experience and a lot of greatness exiting corporations to start their own businesses. There's two things that worry me about that. One is frankly, the corporations aren't going to be as good as they could be because that talent is no longer there and that diversity of thought and the innovation. And number two, I think a lot of those women are putting their economic, long-term economic security at risk because it takes a lot of work to make a business work and pay the bills and fund your retirement. So that that's kind of just a little bit of a an, an, an alternate view. With this exit though, Mel, I 
know that you're concerned from another perspective around industry um, and the kind of, uh, Susan mentioned the fact that we've got disproportionate exits um, across industry. What are you seeing? Yeah, so uh, I'd like to share a few things that come from the world of engineering. So there's two different entities that have done research on women's attrition in engineering. That is to say women exiting the field of engineering. Uh, one is a group of researchers out of the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. I'm going to put a link to that in the chat for anybody here live that's interested. But then also the Society of Women Engineers, or SWE, which is a U.S.-based organization, has done some research on this as well. And of course, this is pre-pandemic. So pre-pandemic, I'm going to read you three facts that came from the SWE research in close alignment with what the UW-Milwaukee group found. And these are over 32% of women switch out of STEM degree programs in college. So they start with going down that path and don't finish it. And then only 30% of women who earn bachelor's degrees in engineering are still working in engineering 20 years later. So that's a high level of attrition. It's definitely much higher than their male counterparts in engineering. And then finally, 30% of women who have left the engineering profession cite organizational climate as the reason. And the bullet from the Milwaukee group stated a Approximately one in five women left because they did not like the workplace climate, their boss, or the culture. And I emphasize that because there's kind of this broad sweeping misconception that, oh, women are leaving because they are having kids. And there's this assumption that that is the reason, the only reason. And while the research showed in these surveys that that is one reason, it is definitely not the dominant reason that women are exiting engineering. So my concern has been that the pandemic has exacerbated all this. So certainly it's brought people to light that maybe they're not working for the greatest organization and now they have the option to leave. So they move on or they feel whatever bravery because of all the opportunity that's out there and they exit engineering to go to something else. Or in other cases that I have seen firsthand, the pandemic just became too much. They're trying to juggle their their engineering work remotely and take care of a family at home and homeschooling and all those things. And they just hit a wall where if they're able to, you know, if their partner is making enough money and they're able to, they just quit. So I've seen that too. So, you know, we don't have numbers yet specifically on engineering from what's happening in the pandemic, but I am concerned that we're going to retrospectively look back on these years and see that we didn't do enough for women in STEM fields to keep them. And one of our members who's who's on the call, Gree, will agree with you uh, about your concerns, Mel, not that I should speak on behalf of Gree, but I know her work uh, for women in, in STEM is designed to address the gap that we've always had. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I think what are we going to do? And it's a nice segue into, you know, crappy workplaces look out. <laughs> you know, there's here's a hint. You need to look out because um, I think a world a world of pain awaits or is about to to uh, descend upon you in terms of, of talent management. Um, but I, I suppose there's two aspects to this, the great 
dot, dot, dot. There's stuff for women to do. So, you know, yes, we're assuming that all women have mobility, have choice and are able to move on. We know that not all women have that choice for whatever reason or aren't prepared to to make that choice to move on from an environment that is not suiting them, not flexible, this, that, and the other. So this is where I want to really want to tap into your wisdom and, and, you know, unashamed plug. Mel and I are talking this week on Lead to Soar about help. I've got a shit boss. What do I do? Um, And one of the things I want to really talk about is, you know, I am privileged. I have choice. I have the ability to do stuff. Not every woman has that. So if for whatever reason, she can't move. So she's in a in in an environment that is, you know, that maybe the pandemic has has exacerbated or conflated the issues that are there. And she knows that this is not the ideal environment, but she can't move. What is she going to do? So and I know that's a really big question, but I want to talk about survival. What are the survival strategies when you're in a job that you don't want to, you know, you're not going to stay forever. You're with a boss that you kind of would be very happy if you never saw their face again, but you're stuck with them or a job or whatever it may be. What are the, what are really good survival strategies, including probably ignoring that all everyone's moving, but what are those survival strategies that perhaps you've used or you've counseled or mentored other women to use around their, their their career. What are survival tactics? Good morning, everyone. Evening. Oh, hello, um, Ange. Oh, I'm just sorry. I'm gonna, no, no, go on. Oh, I'm actually just uh, tapping into out the wisdom of our of our, uh, our co-hosts at the moment. But if you've got a survival strategy, I'm more than happy to hear it. Yeah, I was going to say the people around you. I've been in a you know in roles that I haven't been happy with and haven't been able to move out of for different reasons. But it's about getting the power of the people around you. So, how do you find those people? How do you find the right others? As we talk about in our strategic networking, and I see Susan's got some wisdom to share. What do you think, Susan? Uh, but I, I I don't want inch I don't want your point about the importance of connecting with people who can nourish you to get lost because I think that's super important. So I had a boss who uh, was a micromanager and told me I was too emotional. So you know, help! I've got a shit boss. And so what I did in that case, having a preference for introversion, I did not turn to other people. <laughs> I found joy in the work that I liked. I didn't intensely do the work I didn't like because that energy I was putting my eye toward, I was devoting that energy to turn my eye toward what could I do next. I've heard many women talk about the problem of hating their job and wanting to get out, but they're still doing 150% of what they have to do that's on the table. And unless you find a way to suck yourself out of all of that work and have some energy to put to the future possibilities, you will never find that future possibility unless you're lucky enough to have someone who taps you on the shoulder or as happened to a colleague of mine just recently say, you need to apply for this job. You are the right person for it. Yes, I agree. And Mel, you've got an example. Well, I was thinking about kind of combining these two concepts. So when when I think back to a time when I was frustrated with my work and a particular superior, I decided to start my first podcast. And so I was turning to work to making something 
you know, outside of my day job that I could feel good about, that I could feel proud of. And in the process of doing that, I met all kinds of people that I I couldn't have run into any other way. And so it helped me attract some of the right others, even though I didn't know that that's, that's exactly what was going to happen. So I think I, I just like both of those advice. I think when you decide to put your energy into something that that does bring you fulfillment and joy, there there are other good things that come with that that you can't necessarily plan for. And I think that includes good people. Agreed. Oh, certainly the same as you when I was on uh, a, a planned exit from my corporate career into what I do now. I had a very impatient 18 months to serve before I could do that. And the, the kind of things that I did while well, I started my Facebook group, started doing some other stuff, events and things like that, but also got myself involved in those things to your point, Susan, that gave me joy. So very involved in the women's network and and uh, the, some, uh, some DEI work uh, in the organization. So really kind of did what I could do for my day job but then got myself very involved in serving my own needs as well as others' needs in a way that brought me a lot of joy. So good advice. Amal. Yeah, so this is an interesting one, right? And we've had many conversations with, with, I think, many women, whether that's personally or professionally. The way I look at this is there is a unique opportunity here if you are looking to change careers, right? Or even if you're looking for a job, and maybe even if you're not looking. Um, I think usually after a session, what do you see? You know, people don't want to spend money. Companies don't want to hire. And employees are available because they've been laid off and now they want a job, right? This pandemic has changed that. It's the opposite that we're seeing now. Consumer spending is high. Companies are looking for talent and people are like, no, thank you. I'm good. Um, Right. Like, what do you have to offer me? So the way I've approached this is for, for women who need the advice, right? Number one is update your online talent profile, right? If you're on LinkedIn, make sure that that's updated and on point because I, I, talent poaching is at an all time high and it is real, right? I have many colleagues who were not looking for a job and because their profiles were updated, are now in more senior roles, making double what they were making, right? And very happy. Secondly, I would say continue to network internally. Because of this accelerated retirements and because of all these people that have left, there are a lot of positions that are available and open. And so you networking internally, even or even externally, it, it lets somebody know that you're looking, right? And maybe they can come and save you from your miserable boss um, or your miserable life with the boss, <laughs> right? So just be open to that because that's happened quite a bit as well. And I think thirdly, the, the one thing I'm concerned about is that the pandemic has created a lot of stress on everybody, right? Every, we are all burnt out. Everybody's at their wit's end. So don't forget to take care of yourself, right? Find the resources that is available through your employer or even outside that supports your mental health and well-being. Because again, if you're not healthy, you're not going to be good to yourself or any employer for that matter. All right. So three knowledge bombs there, as, as Bron Neese would say, make sure your profile is updated and on point. And uh, <laughs> networking is working inside and external to your organization and look after yourself. Oxygen mask on, and then you look after others. And the, I'll give you an unashamed plug for my life audit worksheet. Figure out the four things, and there's a couple of you on the call that have done this and you've heard me talk about it. What are the four priorities that you must set that are going to enable your career, your life, your your leadership journey? And stick to them and make them, you know, for me, sleep, nourishment, movement, relationships every single week um, assess. Because if you're unwell, whether it be spiritually or physically, you're just not going to be able to put your best foot forward when those opportunities come up. 
What about Teresa? Yeah, I don't have a lot more to share than what Mel, Amal, and Susan have already shared. I do want to focus on that second point that Amal made, and that was the networking within, because all of these people leaving the company for whatever reason, the great resignation or whatever reason, involuntarily, whatever, it does create an opportunity within that company then to do some networking. And as she mentioned, to get other positions or to align yourself with other people, whether you're going to stay in the same job or you're looking for another one. And for whatever reason, you can't leave that company. I do agree with her point number two. We've got to network internally. Can I just, before we leave this, Michelle, for the people who might be listening to the podcast, I'd like to elevate Anthea's advice, which was to focus on projects that will build your portfolio Uh that you can then leverage for another role, super advice. And things that did not help was finding her... um, was complaining about her boss. So (laughs) never complain about your boss, especially inside the company. Trusted others outside possibly, but it can come back to bite you. So I know, you know, many of you know that, you know, networking is one of my favorite things to do, to talk about, to teach, to facilitate, because I just know how important it is for a career that soars. So I really, I really want to emphasize that point about networking inside and external to your organization. And the reason it's so important combined with Amal's advice about making sure your your profile is up to date is also being able to speak about yourself and the, the outcomes that you've created, the impact that you've had in your role and for your organization. I have found over my career that People will pigeonhole you and put a label on you and and put you into a box. So for me, I could have always been Michelle, that woman who runs the call centers because I did call centers was part of what I did for a period of time. So I want to, I've always been very clear about this is what I bring. I might do call centers or warehouses or banks or, you know, because I've done them all, but this is what I bring. So I think that's a part of your networking also has to be very deliberate about resetting who you are and what you bring to those people that you're networking with. Because someone that you may have been a colleague with for say 10 years in the same company could remember you from role nine years ago and still have you as, you know, Michelle, that contact, contact center chick, you know, um, whereas you're now, Susan, this amazing leadership development person. And so that, that I think that's really good advice. Make sure that people know who you are and what you bring, the right people know who you are and what you bring inside and external to your company. From a leadership perspective, we have listeners who will be leaders in organizations going, holy hell, what am I going to do to retain? So the great retention, let's talk about this. What am I going to do to hold on to this talent, these talented women? What is the advice that leaders must pay attention to? In fact, take action on right now to identify, engage, and advance their talented women. I'll kick us off. I think that this sounds obvious that the flexibility piece, but What I want to highlight with flexibility that I am seeing some companies struggle with is embracing the technology that allows for flexibility. And with that, what I want to say is just because you roll out a tool, uh, say a collaboration tool like Slack, it doesn't mean all of your team members immediately pick it up and know how to use it. So there are just an enormous amount of technologies out there that help us be more productive 
and do our jobs better, more efficiently in the remote environment, but the facilitation and the rollout has to come with it. So that is my my piece on flexibility. What were you going to say, Susan? Well, I was going to highlight the importance of flexibility. 50, something like 56% of survey people across the board think it's more important than compensation these days. So super important. And yeah, you're right. If the tools aren't adopted and used as to their capacity, then it's a problem for the organization and for the people in it. The other thing I was going to say is, okay, so I'm dating myself. Back in the 1970s, I read my first article where the headline was, people don't leave their jobs, they leave their bosses. And I laugh every time I see, up until just this week, another article about people don't leave their jobs, they leave their bosses. So that's the other thing. Good leadership. You've got to train people, you've got to weed out the bad ones. And uh, without good people up the management chain, all the way to the top, uh, you will find people leaving. And they might say that you reminded me of this, Amal, women in particular might say, I'm leaving because of uh, work-life family issues. I would say in 90% of the cases, that's code for it stinks to work here. So if you're an executive and your HR department is saying, oh, you know, uh, the uh, women's attrition rate is due to work-life balance, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. No, they don't want to burn bridges. They'll never tell you that their boss was horrible or that the culture is misogynistic because work-life issues is a safe reason to give. So that is totally legit. That's so legit. These people that we're talking about, they're smart. They're not going to burn bridges. They're smart enough to not create a stink on their exit. They're just not going to do it. I think there's a couple of things that come to mind when I think about that. I think, you know, we're just not, there's three things. Number one, exit interviews, too late, horses bolted. So leaders get into what are your, how is your rhythm around stay interviews? I'm going to talk about stay interviews in, in 2022. And Number two, I just remember this advice. I used to give fairly forthright exit interview stuff before someone said to me, Michelle, you know, you're kind of burning bridges. And then someone gave me some advice. They said, okay, never burn a bridge unless you can afford to napalm the mother effer uh, and you never have to go back over it. And I went, okay, that's really good advice. So <laughs> Teresa, you talked about people have, have stopped to evaluate. The, the pandemic has given them that evaluation point or that inflection point. And Susan, you talked about, well, in fact, a couple of you have talked about micromanagers. So people are evaluating the way they do life and work. They want to work with greater autonomy and less oversight. And they want their leaders to demonstrate their 21st century leadership skills. So inclusion, diversity, change management, and environmental social governance. So what do we do about that as leaders? And Teresa, I know that, you know, you've worked for an organization that has got serious about developing leadership skills. What's your advice to those people in positions of authority who can say, okay, we know we've got a leadership gap here in terms of these competencies? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is very important for the health of the organization as well as the health of the leader, right? I mean, people aren't born into these positions. They have to be trained sometimes into these positions. It's not a natural kind of thing. And to not spend money on developing your leaders to be, I don't know what the word is, more compassionate, more understanding, able to listen, able to really hear 
what their employees are saying, especially in this time period, is death to me for a company. I've heard so many people say, my boss, in these vacuums that are being created, I need some encouragement to move forward, to go on. And I'm not hearing that from my manager. So yes, I do think training is extremely important. Now, some companies may have cut back on training budgets or um, just don't have the money. I do think it's incumbent upon the organization to, there's a lot of literature out there in the internet universe that can be garnered for leaders to use. But I think it's very important to train leaders to do that listening, to do that hearing, and to do that encouraging of employees, especially at this time. Yeah. I mean, since we're talking to leaders right now, I think the thought that comes up for me is that just because someone's been at the company a long time and done a role well, it doesn't mean they're going to be good at leading people to do that role. It takes the investment, just like Teresa said. I agree. And Susan talks about leadership in No Ceiling, No Walls, about leadership is about disciplined practice. And I think I've, you know, mucked that up a little bit, but the, the intent is there. It is a skill. And like any other skill, disciplined practice at leadership means you get better at it. And I also think it's around, you know, because you went to a leadership course in 1984, and now I'm dating myself because um, I probably went to a leadership course in 1984, doesn't mean, okay, one and done, right? So one and done doesn't cut it. It's continuing professional development, just like you have to have continuing professional development for an engineer, for a CPA, for a doctor, for a physiotherapist, a vet, whatever it may be. We have to have continuing professional development, particularly around contemporary leadership practices. Let's face it, none of us were talking about inclusive leadership 15 years ago. Now that's my whole world. Um, So it's so, so important. I'm really conscious of time because, as always, we're going to run behind time, overtime, whatever it is. So we've we've talked about the, the here and the now and what's going on, some advice for women in roles where perhaps they can't move. Women, a great opportunity to leverage your networks to find your new role. We've talked about what leaders need to do now and what organizational leaders need to do. But what about 2022? Let's imagine we've catapulted ourselves into a, a next step in our career. I guess, what is the advice? And I know a big question, what is the best piece of career advice that you can give our members, our listeners right now about 2022? Susan, I'll start with you. So I have been on a reading binge. Uh, I read the first and only up until that point in time autobiography that I know of of a, a woman CEO. It was Carly Fiorina and then all of a sudden, there's two more, uh, Indra Nui and uh, Ursula Burns, both excellent. And then there's a biography of Mari Bark. So I've been absorbing all of that. And from Indra Nui, my advice is that there are seven questions that anytime you have the opportunity to think upon or ask someone in another function or a higher level uh, should be on your mind. One How can I better understand the drivers in our industry? Two, what are the value drivers of our business? Three, how might those change over time? Uh, What are the strategic options for us to create value over time? What investments do we need to make? How should we be organized? 
And how do I keep current in the world of strategy? So whether you are in a position to act on the answers to these questions or not, um, simply seeking to understand will strengthen your business strategic and financial acumen shops. So seven questions, hang on to them. I'll post them in our site. I don't know what will happen to people who listen to the podcast. I think you can post them. We'll have show notes that been there. That great advice. Great advice. Um, I agree wholeheartedly, I think, with what um, Susan said, right? I think take a moment to map out your long-term goals and plans, right? And be very intentional about your why. Why is your work meaningful? You know, how can you support the future plans of the organization that are changing every day, right? Because of the pandemic. And if you're a leader of people, I would say you need to be a role model, right? And create what I would call a culture of care. When I think about care and I can, I can break down the, the, word, the letters, I'm thinking about communicating expectations. I'm thinking about recognizing your people. Um, but most of all, be empathetic. And, and the, the one thing that we keep talking about is flexibility, right? My concern with flexibility is that you are going to create an opportunity for, for a woman who's driving the business to now work from home, right? And, and be virtual or be remote. But then all the male counterparts are in the office. And then that woman now is missing out on the opportunity to have those face-to-face interactions and then be in line for the next promotion. So as you create even your flexible work environment and policies, start being very intentional about how do you support then and progress women who would take an opportunity to work remotely? Because I promise you, the workforce has changed. And we, you know, we've proven that we are more productive working remote. So a lot of people are not going to want to go back to a nine to five, Monday to Friday. So as you think about that, how do you also support women's movements sort of women's progression? So I think that would be what I, what I have in mind. Maybe that's Great the advice. Because we are also seeing, what do I do? Out of sight, out of mind. And I think that's a whole other conversation uh, that Mel and I will cover in the, in the podcast. Teresa, what's your advice for women? So from a leadership perspective, I'm going to take this, uh, Michelle. I think it's important in 2022 to think about developing your employees because I, I believe as you develop others, you become you develop yourself as well. And especially in the areas of strategy and financial acumen, it I would challenge my teams to go look at the 10Q, 10K, 8K, understand what your company is doing. So it's not a surprise to you when you get this internal message that something is happening. They probably have already filed it. So I think looking at those macro things in terms of strategy and financial acumen and developing your employees to have a better connection with the company and its macro working uh, also helps you become more familiar with that as well. A great exercise to do that, Teresa, is our positional purpose statement, which our members have access to through a number of our our courses. What is the work that I do, the role that I have in helping the organization achieve its strategic and financial goals? And doing that as a team leader with your team at a team level is extraordinarily powerful. So thank you, Susan, for developing that, that tool. Mel, advice for women in 2022. You know, one of our favorite truisms to share is moving up begins first in your mind. So I'll always take an opportunity to say that. But the other thing I'd like to share as we go into this new year is something that's really been driven home to me in a couple of the things that I've read recently. And that is recognize that you can set goals, but willpower is not enough. You have to set up the systems 
that are going to allow you to be successful in achieving those goals or creating that habit in your life. So I think this spans uh, personal and professional. And we're going to talk about that in the goals course. And I am also going to be hosting in early 2022 Inside a Career That Soars, a book discussion on atomic habits, which is connected to this. So I hope we'll see you inside. Outstanding. And Atomic Habits was a book that my daughter bought me for Mother's Day this year, and I devoured it. And it is just extraordinary. And uh, it's very, very sensible. So my advice, uh, well, there's not one piece, of course, because why would I stop at one? But uh, number one, get the right career advice. Learn to ignore conventional wisdom. I'm totally stealing from Susan, but she's such a great inspiration to me. Learn to ignore the conventional wisdom and career advice that is given to women. We've heard from Susan, Amal, Teresa and Mel. What is your role in helping your organization achieve its strategic and financial goals and get advice about that? whether it's your current organization or your next organization, because when you can talk eloquently with, um, with impact about what it, uh, what, what it is that you do and why your role is important, that's what helps you have a career that soars. And you must find the right people to give you that right career advice for that. So that's my advice. And of course, you must join a career that soars because this is this hour of power. 200 200 years of power is just a sample of what we do in our community for women. And I can guarantee you, I'm so excited I've got goosebumps. 2022, we go next level for a career that soars. I've done an extraordinary amount of work to really understand that the needs um, of our members, the needs of, of women who are very clear about having a career, they're very ambitious. They want to be surrounded by like-minded people who will challenge them and will help lift them. So we are are enabling millions of careers that soars, we hope, um, in this platform and unashamedly focus on business, strategic and financial acumen, which is relevant to every single part of your life. So with that, we are at time and uh, I just in awe of the wisdom uh, of my co-hosts and thank you all for the work that you do, for the effort that you make uh, for a career that soars and, and all of our members. We are very deliberately focused on creating a, a diverse, inclusive environment where women can feel psychologically safe to talk about their ambition, uh, the, the stuff that they're navigating, the, the, their hopes, their dreams, their possibilities when it comes to their careers. And each one of you are such experts uh, and such great mentors to, to our community. So thank you. I want to wish everyone happy holidays, no matter how you celebrate uh, this season. Uh, uh, happy holidays. Please be safe. And I'm going to pinch or steal some advice from Mel. Let's let's think about the the experiences that we can provide to people rather than the things that we can buy because our supply chain is stuffed. Enjoy, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of our community and for, for being a part of today, uh, those of you who've joined us live. And, you know, for, the, for listeners, please give us a rating, you know, and share the word. This, is, this podcast is so important uh, for, for women around the world. I'm going to hand over to my podcast co-host, Mel, for a final word, and then we're going to wrap. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you to the hosts of A Career That Soars that are all here today on this call sharing their wisdom. And dear listener, like Michelle mentioned, we'd love if you would give us a kind rating and review and share the podcast with someone you know, someone that can benefit. And finally, if you haven't already, you can join A Career That Soars by visiting acareerthatsoars.com. See you in 2022. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for downloading Lead to Soar. We so appreciate your support in the form of subscribing, rating, and reviewing the Lead to Soar podcast. We especially appreciate when you share Lead to Soar with friends and colleagues. Lead to Soar is hosted and produced by Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher. To get in touch with either, visit michelleredfern.com and melbutcher.com. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Until next time, stay focused and lead on.